Lovely. It's great, it's a privilege to be at the front here. I'm usually sat with you guys down there and to hear you all singing. Um, and you sound like at least twice the number of people. It's absolutely great. Shame about the band, but nevertheless, they're working on it. Uh, we have quite a few readings in this morning's service. Quite a few. The good news is, well, there's two lots of good news. The first is that the guides are bringing them to us. So Gemma and Emma, can you be making your way up? And the other good piece of good news is they're all short. Okay, so um, they're not great length of things. I delight greatly in Lord, my soul rejoice in my God, for he hath clothed me in garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Great, thank you. So in all the readings of Chosen, could you just pop them up again, Colin? So I like to keep Colin on his toes. Uh, well, in, in the order they came, yeah. In each of the um, services, we're jumping about the Bible a bit in these services, but I've tried to, the, the theme, kind of like the, of, uh, of today's service is about clothes, okay? And I'm pleased to say everybody's turned up clothes today, so thank you for coming prepared. That's really good. I nearly forgot myself, but luckily I remember too. So it's about clothes and putting things on, okay? So often in the spiritual way when we talk, we think about uh, our, our spiritual life, we think about renewal coming from inside and out, and that's right, it does. Nothing I'm going to suggest to you today contradicts that. In fact, it goes on with that. But as Christians, we have a responsibility. I think it flows all the way through the Bible in living a life with God as well as respond, well, as a response to that renewal from inside to do stuff on the outside. And that's our choice. It's kind of like part of our free will. So hopefully as we go through the readings, you'll see that each one has something to do with clothes, clothing, robes, yeah, I couldn't find anything with waistcoat in the Bible, so there's nothing directly about that, but you get the idea. Okay. So, uh, yeah, and the next one, Colin, did you get, get them both? Yeah, so there you go. Uh, so, taking off old corrupted clothes, dirty clothes, and putting on, yeah, uh, putting on the new self, yeah. So, as well, we're already renewed. If you've made a commitment, if you're already with God, if you've already accepted Jesus, it's done on the inside. We have to live our life making the outside match up to the inside by keep on putting on clean clothes, clean things. And it's a choice. It's about choices. Thanks, Colin. Can you put up the first the graphic slides? Thank you. So here we are. In the period of Lent, it's the first Sunday in Lent, who had pancakes on Tuesday? Yo, look at that. Toppings, what did you have on your, on your pancakes? Anybody? Just shout out. Sugar, lemons, chocolates, yeah. Bananas, anybody? Nutella, yeah, okay. Loads and loads of different toppings. And I hope you had your pancakes on Tuesday, yeah, because that's the right day to have pancakes. 
I know one or two people had busy times during the week, so they kind of slipped to Wednesday. I don't think it matters. Um, we know, don't we, why we have the tradition of pancakes, because on Wednesday, the period of Lent started in the church calendar. You know, the church calendar, as the year goes by, we celebrate different things. And Lent is 40 days before Easter. And Vanda said earlier on in the notices, that soon be time to think about buying Easter eggs. Or as they're calling them in the shops nowadays, eggs. Yeah, okay. So when you go into the shops, remember to ask for Easter eggs. There's a few things that. So Lent is a period um, of time when we think about preparing for Easter. And we think about what Jesus was doing at this time. And this was a a reading which I forgot to give to Colin, so it's not up on, on, the, on the screen, yeah? Um, but from Mark's Gospel in chapter 1 and verse 12, just a couple of verses, uh, I'm not about close, but just explaining what Jesus was doing, what was going on at this time, what we remember at this time. And Mark's Gospel, as it so often is, is nice and succinct, yeah? If you want, if you want pithy, sure, go to Mark, yeah? That's my, that's my motto. And in verse 12, it says, uh, it was just after Jesus had been baptized by John the Baptist, yeah? And the dove had come down on Jesus, and God's voice had said, this is my son, the beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And at once after that, the Spirit sent him, Jesus, out into the wilderness. Uh, We say the desert, don't we? And in the wilderness, for 40 days, he was being tempted by Satan, being tempted by the, the devil, and he was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. Yeah. So that's what we think about Jesus going through. And Jesus knew that it would end up with the crucifixion, the suffering, his death, and resurrection. And that's kind of like what we are mapping over the next six weeks. We're thinking about those times. Yeah. So it's a time of year when we think about that. And sometimes we choose to give up something we don't like. Vanda, you hit home again before when you said to me, oh, maybe you're giving up a latte and they can put the cost of the latte. Yeah, a coffee. I do like my coffee. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. You don't have to give something up at Lent, okay? But many Christians find it's good. And we tend to think of food things. And the idea was that you ate all your chocolate and your lemons and your sugar on your pancake. And then you gave it up for six weeks. So that's okay, isn't it? No, yeah. We do. <laughs> Nowadays, particularly in a church with, with the customs that we have, we tend not to observe it as deeply and as strictly as done in the past. But it's still a time when every day we can think about Jesus being in the wilderness. What did Jesus give up when he was in the wilderness? The comfort of his own bed, companionship, food, water, it says, if you read the full accounts of it. And he was tempted by the devil. So he was weakened in a human sense, by being without things which keep us strong and good and healthy. And he was also being tempted to the max by the devil. Yeah? And uh, that's what was happening uh, at this time. Um, next slide, please. As you know, we don't do it in this church, but in some churches and in some customs they do. I don't know if anybody, anybody of you knew anybody this week. On Ash Wednesday, you can go to a service in some churches and have the sign of the cross made in ashes. And traditionally, it's the, it's the palm crosses we used from last year's Palm Sunday that are burned. The ones that, you know, we've got left over, we burn them, we make the ashes, we make the sign to mark the fact that we recognize we're thinking about this time of Lent. 
And this itself, the ashes, is kind of like a remnant of an older tradition, much older tradition, of sackcloth and ashes. Next one, please. Yeah? And uh, we don't do it nowadays. In fact, the top, the, the top left photo there is of this. There are some people who still symbolically uh, mark Lent by actually wearing sackcloth, clothes made out of sacking. How itchy would that be? And they actually put ashes on them, yeah? So in classical times, uh, and in some of the biblical times, uh, we read that when people wanted to show that they were really, really cheesed off by something, or they were down, they were depressed, they were lamenting, they were, gr they were grieving. So it might be times, for instance, of loss after a funeral or something like that, or times when God's people were suffering, to show that they recognized that they were not happy people. They would wear uh, sackcloth and ashes. And uh, number three there is uh, apparently, the, particularly the bottom one, is a very, very ancient, it's about a thousand years old uh, thing, of sackcloth. We don't do that nowadays, okay? It's not the kind of customs of the society that we live in. But nevertheless, we can think about these things during Lent and recognize that behind our everyday life and the ups and downs we have it, there is that solemn period of thinking about going up to Easter. Yeah. What do we wear nowadays? Next slide, please, Colin. Maybe we wear something that's much more familiar, doesn't it? Looks a bit more 2018 than sackcloth and ashes. What color would you wear? Red. Uh, and you, I thought, oh, Carol would wear two. Yeah, we know which two, yeah. Any color. Yeah, super flexible, yeah. Other, other colors are available, okay, yeah. So nowadays, we tend not to wear things like sackcloth and ashes, so it's a bit hard to tell if, we're a bit, if somebody's a bit down, a bit suffering, a bit glum, if somebody's actually thinking about Jesus' suffering or their own suffering or suffering of people close to them, because we tend to wear stuff like that, yeah. Um, so um, we can't tell necessarily from the outside, yeah, but we need to be mindful of the fact not only are we remembering and recalling Jesus' suffering so that in the end we don't have to in the way that he did, uh, but people around us sometimes might be wearing a bright-colored T-shirt, uh, but they, there might also be things going on in their lives, yeah? And it's part of our duty as a family to remember those things. Um, I think we should have another uh, couple of readings now. So Sarah and Charlotte, can you... See if you can spot the theme going through of clothes and clothing going through these readings. Don't like the Colossians 3, verse 9 to 10. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. Corinthians chapter 15 verses 53 to 54 for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality then the saying that is written will come true death has been swallowed up in victory great thank you very much so a couple of things to, to pull out there if if um if you're a bit slow on the uptake like me, 
And in that first reading, you see someone says, you've got a new wardrobe. You think of a piece of furniture in your bedroom. Yeah? So, well, yeah, I've got, I've got, become a Christian, get a new wardrobe. That's an offer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if it's flat-packed. Well, no. It means the contents of the wardrobe. Yeah? It means all the clothes that are in there. So what it's actually saying is, as a Christian, we have a range of clothes to wear. Yeah? Uh, we have a range of clothes uh, uh, to wear. Um, what was the other thing I was going to pull out? One of these, I, I, it can't be important. Uh, yeah. So, let's think just a bit more about, about uh, Lent and what Jesus was going through in the desert. Temptation. And hopefully, I don't know what's coming up in future weeks, but hopefully we'll actually uh, get time in the six weeks of Lent to think about the specific temptations of Jesus. Because the devil knew that Jesus was the Son of God. It's quite interesting. People at the time were questioning, is he the Messiah? You know, is this the chosen one? The devil knew already, yeah? The devil still knows. I find it one of the ironies of modern life that people say, oh, I, you know, I don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and the devil's going, because <laughs> he knows he is. Yeah, uh, anyway. And so the, the temptations that the devil put in front of Jesus were appropriate to Jesus, the devil basically tempted him to prove that God would save him. To, the devil tempted him, knowing the power that Jesus has, to actually rule the world. And Jesus said, that's not what I'm going to do. He made choices. I'm just having a guess that maybe none of us in here have been tempted to rule the world. Okay? But we all face temptations nevertheless. Okay? Can I just stand at the head of the queue? for people who admit to being tempted, yeah? If you're not tempted, I think you're either fooling yourself um, or you're fooling yourself, one or the other, okay? Um, and we know that when it's a common Christian experience that when we're trying to live a godly, Christly life, the temptations tend to ramp up, yeah? Um, what might your temptations be? Don't shout out. Do not shout out, okay? But just think to yourself what your temptations might be. And I think we need to be a bit wise about being tempted, okay? Um, it's not always the obvious things. And I was thinking about this, and I thought of a clip of a film which is one of my favorites. So um, let's just watch a short clip. It's only two or three minutes long. And see if it shines. <laughs> There, boo, yeah. It's from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And there's what happens. If you give in to temptation, the lip sync goes in your life, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> it worked fine in the technical rehearsal, didn't it, Cutley? <laughs> but, uh, so just be warned, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can find a Bible reference for that, I'll be impressed with that one. Yeah, okay, so, yeah. But the point there, okay, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang's the film. Um, spoiler alert, that's not the end, okay? It goes on. The children have some more adventures, and uh, if you, uh, I think most people have seen it, but if you haven't seen it, it's it's worth watching. They have some adventures afterwards. It's, it doesn't end like that. Yep. But they'd been told to stay in the toy makers' workshop and not to go out, and they were tempted by lollipops, cherry pies. Okay. Nothing wrong with lollipops and cherry pies, especially when they're free, okay? <laughs> yeah, you, the question springs to mind, is there such a thing as a free lunch? You know, you, in the end, 
you know what I'm saying, yeah? Well, temptation can come to us from places we expect, but it can also come from places we don't expect. And the children, I don't know if you caught it there, particularly with the, with the lack of lip sync, um, they did think for a minute when they were going up the stairs, and one of them says, we shouldn't go out. We were told to stay here. We said, well, we can get them some sweets as well. You kind of like rationalize it. And what the Bible says actually is that the devil himself can appear as an angel of light sometimes. You know, we needn't be scared of the world. We needn't be scared of living the Christian faith. But we do need to be aware that we'll be tempted by things that are in our life. Yeah? And that kind of like righteous living and that living a Christian way that we should do. Uh, you can just be pulled away by something that's seemingly innocuous and innocent. Um, and not necessarily the great big things, yeah, that we tend to think of, you know. I'm not going to ask. There you go. Dress yourselves in Christ. Can you put up the first of these slides, Colin? Remember? Yeah. We have the colors. Dress yourselves in Christ. So, can I just ask you, yeah, the parallel we're being asked to think about is, is getting dressed in things of the Christian faith. Don't shout out, but when you wake up in the morning, what are you dressed in? Just think a minute, what are you dressed in? Yeah? yeah? There's one or two people memoing at me, okay. Um, not my or anybody else's business to actually know about that, but next slide, please, Colin. Maybe it's something like this. Okay? Is there anybody in your family who looks like this in the morning. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Possibly, but without the smile, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, don't necessarily shout out, but maybe you have Spider-Man pajamas or stripy pajamas or Winciette pajamas. Can I just tell you something? I don't know what Winciette is, but it always sounds to me very old-fashioned and kind of like prudish. But... Uh, and maybe you have tartan or stripes or whatever, yeah, but normally, yeah, we wake up in the morning and uh, not unsurprisingly, we find ourselves dressed in the pyjamas, the night dresses that we went to bed in the night before. So as we go, think about getting up and getting some breakfast and going out and doing the work of the day and doing the things of the day, do you stay in those clothes? Uh, actually, I've seen one. <laughs> Maybe the ones here. I've seen one or two shoppers in Asda at strange times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the majority of the time, yeah. If it's a school day, maybe we get put on something like this. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I look for some pictures of school uniforms, and they don't look particularly a lot like. Uh, uh, some of them don't look like a lot like school kids that I see around. And it's been a while since I went to school. Yeah. In the days when I went to school, when I went to big school, the first two years at big school, boys like me, I was a boy, funnily enough, had to wear a cap. Yeah, yeah I, had to, I had to wear a cap. And it was an uncomfortable thing, and I didn't like it. You're laughing. Did you have to wear a cap? No. Well, I, I, for the first two years, you had to, it wasn't until you got to the third year you had the privilege of not wearing a cap. And if you were found seen on the way to school or the way back from school without your cap on, yeah, you got fined a house mark. It was taken off your house. That was bad trouble. And if you persisted in doing it, you actually got a detention. 
course, this was in 1843 when I was a schoolboy. But uh, yeah, times have changed, and school uniforms have changed, and there's arguments. Why? But a lot of the time, yeah, you don't go to school in your onesie or your pajamas. Or I'm not just talking to junior members of our church. We don't go to work in our pajamas, or we don't go shopping in our pajamas, or go and walk the dog in your pajamas, or whatever it is you do. You get changed into some different clothes, yeah? And that's the idea that throughout the Bible, yeah, that when we are getting up purposefully for God, you heard it in those readings just then, we're doing, thinking about being purposeful, which is kind of something we should do all the time, but especially at Lent, being being purposeful in our Christian life, that we should put on God's clothes. And they are described throughout the Bible. And in the first place it's, it's talked about in the Bible, it's written about, is in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And I don't know if, if you spotted, because I didn't until just recently, that, that um, when Adam and Eve had eaten the fruit of the tree, which they ought not to do, they realized they were naked and they covered themselves with leaves. That's where you get the idea of a fig leaf from. Okay, yeah. Um, and when they met with God, God actually made them clothes. He provided them with the first clothes. It says, God clothed them in skins, and He ordered them out of the Garden of Eden. So even then, even though it's something that we understand as the original humans doing wrong and it displeasing God, even then, God didn't just send them out dressed in a fig leaf. He provided them with clothes. And throughout the, throughout the Bible, you look through the Old Testament and the New Testament, again and again, there's this idea of God sealing us on the inside with the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, yeah, that's not something you can ever lose. It's always inside. Yeah? And whatever you do, it never be taken away from you. It says in various places, we're famously in Romans, there's nothing so big, so strong, so wide, so deep that can ever separate you from that, your salvation, your righteousness with God. Yeah? But that's on the inside, or I should say not but, but and that's on the inside, and we should be living our lives by putting on God's clothes of righteousness behaving in the right way, thinking in the right way, speaking in the right way, resisting temptation, yeah, so that what's on the outside matches what he's done on our inside. And let me just take a moment to say, if you don't know, if you're not sure about what's on the inside with you and God, if you, if you haven't got that assurance yet, make, make today the day you get that, okay? Don't leave church today without talking to somebody, an elder or another Christian who's here, uh, about that. So if it's in doubt um, or you've not done it before, most of us here have made that commitment. We are Christians and we have that on the inside. So we put on something that's on the outside, okay? And it will change according to what we're doing, our stage in life, our stage in the Christian life where we're at. It will change. It will change when it's not a weekday or what's coming up next week? Half term. Yeah, half term. Next slide. Yeah, maybe you wear something like this in half term. I don't know. What do you what do you what do you clothes you wear? I asked you earlier, what colour T-shirt would you wear if you could choose? Uh, I don't know. What colour clothes would you wear? I've got just images of younger people here, but the same applies to even to old people like me. Okay, make choices about what we wear. 
And it was really something really nice that Malcolm said in the prayers there was actually one of the things we can do, if we can fast from during Lent, is fast from making judgments. So often we judge people by what they're wearing, don't we? Have you seen, maybe some of the grown-ups have seen some of those TV programs where people get dressed up as tramps and see how people, how they get treated by people around the world. They're the same people, they're just wearing different clothes. Yeah? Um, so we've got choices. And you can choose to wear your best clothes, like you'd wear if you were going to, I don't know, a party or a wedding or something like that. You put on your finest clothes. Um, or you could maybe choose to put on scruffs and stuff that's not so good. In the Christian life, we're always aiming to be wearing our best spiritual clothes. Again, thinking in terms of what's on the outside matching what God's already done for us um, on the inside. What happens to clothes if you wear them too long? Yeah, I was, I was um, on Friday, I spent the day with my uh, 13, 14 month old granddaughter for a whole day. And at the end of the day, my clothes were not the same as they'd started out, okay? Yeah, I had various bits of slobber and food, some half-chewed spaghetti bolognese, a liberal dosage of banana rubbed down my right trouser leg, yeah. Um, but actually, I, I don't need her help to get my clothes mucky. I can do it all by myself, yeah. So one of the things we do as Christians and again, we think, about, we think about it all the time. We think about it in this Lenten time going up to Easter. Is about how we get our spiritual clothes clean again. Because no matter how good we are, we always end up getting them mucky and grubby. And again, the Bible sometimes even describes them as like filthy rags. And maybe there are times when you feel spiritually, actually, I feel I'm, I'm dressed in filthy rags. You know, you come before God and you think, I've not done well. I've done things I shouldn't, I've been tempted and I've given in, maybe I didn't even realize I was being tempted, yeah, like the children in the child snatcher scene. Um, maybe I did know, but I was just rebellious and did it anyway, yeah, and you end up feeling pretty, you know, when you come to think about coming to God, you're a bit shy and embarrassed and a bit down about it. God says, fine, we've heard in the readings, I'll give you new clothes. And it's like waking up to a new day. And you know, a lot of us know, you know that fairy that comes along in the night or sometimes and makes your clothes all clean and ironed and hung up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm married to one of those. Uh, if you're lucky, you are too. <laughs> um, yeah, in actual fact, in a spiritual sense, God does that to us. We just have to say, sorry, I'm going to try again. And we get best clothes again. Yeah? But just like we choose to get dressed, we choose our clothes and we dress ourselves, it's a conscious thing. And we must remember to do that, yeah, as we're going through life. Put on your best spiritual clothes and do your best for God in what you say, what you think, and what you do. Can we have the last slide? Colin, okay. Just, I wanted to just pull out, um, to sort of round this up, this thinking up, um, a few words from the readings that we've heard today, okay? They all are on this theme. A new wardrobe, every item of your new way of life is custom made by God.
God the Creator, with His label on it. Do you know what custom-made means? It's just for you. Yeah? It's not like going to a shop, yeah, where you have small, medium, large, or whatever, yeah? And if you think, I'm a medium, or I'm a large, I'm a small, large, or a big, large, it's, it's not like buying off the peg. It's custom-made for you, yeah? God has a perfect way for you, which is just for you. And it's his label on it. And in Ephesians chapter 4, put off the old self, okay? The stuff that comes from the old life like that, the stuff that gets mucky and everything like that, take it off, put on the new stuff, and walk around dressed in Christ. You can only do that if you know him, and you can only do that if you think about him quite a bit, okay? It doesn't have to be um, down on your hands and knees in church in a formal prayer, whatever. Those are good. Don't, I'm not knocking those. But it's something you can just, like you walk around in your clothes, you can also walk around in Christ. Music worship, please. Thank you. Yeah. I gave you all of 